sense or diagnose maybe what the hell happened there correctly. Yeah. Okay. Like in recovery we say it brings it back to the bottom thing of obsession with self or self-centeredness is what we believe has defeated us. And then he goes on and on and talks about it, that self is the key. And that reliance on self is what's producing this, the atmosphere of anxiety that you seem to be in all the day, no matter what. So it's like the root of the problem may beget many other problems, yes? But the root of the problem is self-centeredness. Now, to me, the root of the problem is of being identified as the self. Self-centeredness is something the mind does, yeah? I, I call it a verb, selfing. say someone explains or shares about selfing and you identify with that and you go, man, I've been selfing all day. That's the product of selfing, that statement. Yeah? Not the selfing. Recognizing the selfing as the one that's suffering from it is not recognizing the selfing. It's like a faint. You follow that line. Oh, I have to get out of self now. That's selfing. The feeling, the strong feeling that when anything is done, that you were the doer of it, yeah? Or when something happens to the body, it's happening to me. Yeah? That's the self. No, let me just go on a second. Yeah? Yeah. So a lot of people get close, they can sense, they can recognize the problem, but they don't see, while they recognize the problem, it's usually demonstrating of the problem. Because they think, oh, I realize that I'm obsessed with self. Who did that? Yes. Is that why when you resist, persist, it won't take you back into the loop? Well, it's not even, that's one aspect of it, resist, persist, but you don't even resist it, you don't even know it. That's the dilemma with identification as self. You don't know. The farthest any investigation can go back to is you. But you, there's very rarely an investigation of that you it goes back to. So somehow or another, when you get any information, let's say, about self, it's described really well in the book, it says, in recovery. Self's knowledge avails us nothing, yeah? So here's all this knowledge that comes about, that gets revealed to you, but it gets revealed to you in the format of a self, yeah? So therefore, that knowledge, even though it's describing selfing beautifully, isn't producing any freedom from it, literally, because you're identified, yes, as a self, getting that knowledge. So you believe, I just got some knowledge. That's the selfing. The feeling that I got something, or I lost something, I'm close to something, I'm far away from selfing. So it's not the movement of close and far. That's its feints, yeah? The real thing is that it's happening to a solid you. So instead of the center of universe being everywhere, the mind makes the center of the universe you, as a body. And then it can project this body somewhere else at some other time and then get up and get fixated on what could possibly happen to this body somewhere else at some other time or what did happen to this body somewhere else at some other time. Yeah. The mind could not think about spirit because you can't say, oh, that the space in this room, I've seen this space before. Yeah. This space has been somewhere else at some other time. Yeah. The space, whatever time you've ever been in, in space, the space has always been the same. Empty and open and large, yeah? But a body, this idea of a fixed reference, is like an antenna for the thought system to think around. Yeah? So, it's, it's not enough to think about it now, because there's really not much to think about now. Because now it's presenting itself as you and me here, there, in this room, with these chairs, with this smell, with this temperature, yeah? There's a recognition of it that actually bypasses most of the thought system. But when it starts thinking about you somewhere else at some other time, its system goes wild. That's all it does, because at that point, it's not seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching at that somewhere else at some other time, but it can be thought about, yeah? 
So the mental process can think about it now, but the thinking it's having is about it being somewhere else at some other time. It could not do that if it was recognizing it was spirit. Yeah, It wouldn't have any place, it wouldn't have a fixed object to think about. Because obviously space or spirit isn't a thing. So it needs a thing so that it can do what it does, which is selfing. So it, it identifies as the body, but it knows it's not the body. Because it doesn't give a shit about the body, literally, if you've known it's that. When I was out there, I didn't give a shit about my condition physically. I wanted a shot. I, would, I knew I was going to go out every shot, and I didn't care. When I was on two hits of acid, it sounded good to eat eight downs. Yeah, which probably would have killed me. These things, obviously the basic premise of the body being self-preservation, this had no preservation of the body in mind. It had an incredible preservation of itself. But it's, it's like an unholy alliance with the body. It needs the body to fixate on, but it doesn't want to be a body, obviously. It doesn't. It feels trapped in a body. But the fact is, it can't have a life without the body because it couldn't be thinking all freaking day about you unless it's a freaking object that it can think about. It can't think about you as a soul or a spirit or whatever you want to call it. It can't think about you. But it can think about you as an action figure and go over every move on the game board that you committed or omitted, and then all the future reactions of all the moves that you committed and omitted, and can go on ad nauseum, ad infinitum. It can just keep thinking in time about you somewhere else at some other time. <laughs> so now it's more absorbed in its mental realm of there and then. This is the only place anything happens is this now. But the mind makes up a, a pseudo-realm of time where the now is just like a bridge from there to then, or from then to there, yeah? So basically it uses now, which is all there is that's going on, and it, gets, it fixates on this object and what could possibly happen to it, yeah? Good and bad. And so it gets totally entranced because it believes the object is itself, yeah? Deeply knowing it's not, but the fixation is glued onto the object, and you're not really fixated on the body. You're fixated, the real fixation is the activity of selfing. That you're doing all day. Selfing, 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 selfing. That's the real fixation. The body is just its anchor, so that it can anchor itself. Yeah? It makes up like a pseudo-planet, and then it just orbits around it. The pseudo-planet seems to be the one that's keeping all the thoughts in orbit, yes? And then you want to sort of think you can get out of the orbit. But if you believe that you're that fixed reference, all the time you're trying to get out of everything is another form of being in it. Because the sense of being a self is claiming everything that happens or doesn't happen to you. So let's say an epiphany occurs, which is just the absence of you, and really, the absence of self, the self will rise and claim it as an experience. It says, man, I had this incredible epiphany. But truly, it's unbelievable that it will claim its own absence. And we won't even miss a beat. We'll just be thinking about it again, and a miracle will happen, and we'll just spin that out of, you'll forget that in an hour, and go back to the altar of old resentments, and worship there for the next 30 years. Everything would be different if that wouldn't have happened. Jesus Christ. So, this whole idea to me, once this was introduced to me, and it, it sort of produced an unspoken yes when it was offered, the recipient, whatever this may be, got a hit. Jesus, that was like the last answer. Why go any farther? If you're not clear on this, everything else will be just the activity of selfing. No matter what you do, there'll be a claiming that it was you that did it. No matter how high it is or no matter how low it is. If it produces a huge amount of pride or guilt and shame, it doesn't matter. It's still the bondage of self, isn't it? So, Take it back a little farther. Am I that? If I'm not that, then the whole game changes. 
Because the whole game is determined on that fixed reference of, as being you. I'm not fixated over another body. Maybe I get obsessed over some babe, maybe for a couple of months in this life. But the constant chronic obsession is always about me. Yeah? Always about the me. So it's the act of being identified with this fixed reference, yes, gives the mind license to think about it. It makes it the all-important topic, all day, every day. Even when you're trying to get out of self or forget yourself, it's the self that's trying to do it, yeah? So you can be doing something that's really beautiful, and the self is mining and claiming it at the whole time. You can have 20 sponsees and think you've got your big uh, <laughs> enchilada, and it's all rotten beans inside. Because the selfing is just doing its... It doesn't care if it's gold or iron. It's mining both of them, yeah? And making it into a chain. It just makes a chain because the head will be fixated. I'm doing a lot of service. I've been helping a lot of people lately. Whew, yes. Therefore, if I help a lot of people, good things should happen to me. So when things don't go the way I think they should go, I get upset and wonder why. I've done everything I was told. I've been really good. Why are bad things happening to me? And it's very confusing for your little head because it has its little scheme, but all of its schemes are formatted in self-centeredness. It's a very small system. Incredibly small system. And the system being in place is actually the source of the agitation you're trying to get relief from. But you, if you try to get relief from it, identified, you're, you're getting relief for it, which is just fueling its bonding mechanism. Yeah? Everything is used to glue itself to being the doer, the haver, the center of it all. If you use the system of thought, how do thoughts present you? They, they present you as a body, don't they? If you go home tonight and think about the day, how do you see yourself in your little mental theater, very yeah? Special. Very special. A very special body, yeah? If you think about the future, how does it hold any importance? It only holds an, an importance to a you. And that you is grounded in the identification as a body. When the identification as body is entertained as not being true, then suddenly you have value where value is well spent, which is now. Your awareness gets located, not where this is, because this can be anywhere at any time, but what really is so going on, which is the seeing. Yeah? What's behind the conscious contact? What's behind? What's recognizing the object of the body? Yes? Not taking it to be a subject, that's the mental process, but the awareness that recognizes the body like it recognizes a freaking chair in this room. And so suddenly, you put the horse before the cart, seeing is prior to anything else that appears. The seeing of it is first, in a sense, yes? And actually only. Everything else is just an appearance within the seeing's realm, yeah? So all of us, we're taking ourselves to be a pseudo-subject, and the mental realm, the mental process can obsess and fixate over that, but truly we're an object, and truly, that's the freedom. The freedom from the bondage to this idea of being the subject is to recognize you're just an object and then realize I'm not that, which is just an object. And that's true subjectivity, yeah? That's true awareness, that's seeing. It's not you seeing, because if it's you seeing, that's a form of looking, called self-centeredness. So when you hear St. Francis' statement, what's looking is what you're looking for, yeah? Let's say the what's looking is true seeing, and what you are looking for, because it's a you that feels like it's looking for, that's self-centeredness, that's, that's uh, self-seeking, that's a form of looking, yes? You're looking from the point of view of being a self. You see everything as how it pertains to you. What's looking isn't looking from that point of being a self. What's looking is seeing, yeah? So truly, what's seeing is what you are looking for. If you drop that out, you would see the looking for is the same what's seeing. 
What seeing is seeing. Yeah? What seeing is taking is having a mental interpretation put on it and called you looking for. You looking for is just truly what seeing. That's the mental interpretation of what seeing is that it's you, a you, looking for. If there's a belief in that, then that's a form of blindness to the natural seeing, obviously. Yeah? If seeing is called you looking for, you'll never see the seeing. Yeah? You can't see the seeing as a different form of looking. There is no different form of looking. All there is is seeing. The seeing is being interpreted by the mental process of selfing and turned into a form of looking called self-centeredness, yeah? Now that self-centeredness, being the cause of all our agitation, is looking for relief. St. Francis was probably just trying to save us a lot of time. He says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Why do you have to have go through 800 failed formulas of success when you can just look back and see what's been looking the whole time is what you've been looking for, but not how you're calling it. It's really simply very, very tiny little change in calculation or calibration. But see, this little mistake in time can geometrically progress, and that's what it's done, yes? But the solution is exactly the same is not to look out and try to fix things, but to look in and see who wants to fix them. Yeah? And if it isn't you, the desire and the drive to fix things will change. Because it's the you, it's not the fixing of things. It's the you that has a true belief that it needs to be fixed. That's the dilemma. It has nothing to do, because fix, fixing or unfixing, if there's a you there, is still the bonding quality, yeah? It doesn't mean, all right, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing. You'll get a little relief, but then the same inherent problem that was being obviously displayed in this behavior will leak through into your new behavior. And then after a while, look like the same old, same old. You'll get a little bit of relief. Oh, yes, yeah, so now I move from iron chain to gold chain. It's really good, but the irritability, restlessness, and discontent will still be the basic premise that you're living on. Yeah? If you are taking yourself to be a self, right? This body needs things. This, this emotional, if you want to call it an emotional body, needs things. Yes? The energetic body needs things. Let's just recognize the, just this is a body that has emotions, let's say, and feelings. Obviously, this body needs things. To live, it needs oxygen. It needs food. Yes? So there is a need to rely on something for its needs to be met, so to speak. Yeah? So, obviously, the mental process says, well, I can create an incredible bonding agent if I'm going to take myself to be this, and now this will be in charge of getting all of its needs met. It's called a life run on self-will, yes? And it's proven to many of us not to be successful. So in, in the recovery program, it says, why are you in so much anxiety? Basically, because you've been relying on something that's unreliable. Yes, the instincts are from the body and the emotions and this, and even the energetic body. So the point is, those instincts need to be met on a certain level for the welfare of the body. You need clothing, food, and shelter, yes? And most actually, most people have moved on from the needs, they're just into specific wants. But all wants, the greatest house overlooking the Pacific is rooted back into a need for shelter, basically. So all the needs have blossomed into wants with the egoic or the selfing going on, yes? And so the selfing obviously is taking itself to be the manager of you getting your needs met and your wants met, yes? It's running the show. It's managing. One aspect of managing is control. And the point is... Many of us in this room haven't drank or used in a long time, but the active aspect of the disease isn't drinking and using, it's managing, it's controlling. It's the second part of the first step, that our life was unmanageable. So if you read the first step, and when I first came in, I, this is how I read it. It looked like, it said, I'm powerless over alcohol and drugs, and my life became unmanageable. So it sounded like the unmanageability was an effect of the cause that I was drinking and using. That's how my selfing read it. 
alright, I'm palace over alcohol and drugs, and my life has become unmanageable, and the way I met it was because of that, because I was drinking and using. So I was under a very strong illusion that if, when I stopped drinking and using, a lot of things were going to clear up. But my personal experience, they didn't clear up. They actually became more of a nuisance because I wasn't disassociating from them anymore. And they were start, starting to come up, and I, ha and I was conscious, and it was really uncomfortable. So I started to see the real problem when I stopped my own solution to it, which is the drinking and using. That was the self-solution to the problem it makes, which is let's get loaded, which was the fuel it wanted. <laughs> But if you read how it works, at the end of how it works, in the three pertinent ideas they talk about, I don't know why it went to this recovery, but it is, so let's go. So, it says, okay, there are three pertinent ideas we need to be convinced of. And it, said, and it says, our experiences before and after will verify it. Meaning, your experiences after you get sober will verify these three points. So you stop drinking, but this... Your experiences after you start drinking are going to verify this first. The first one is that you're alcoholic and you cannot manage your own life. Now that totally sounds different than the first step. Yeah? It's totally taken away that the drinking and the using produce the unmanageability. It's saying you're alcoholic. It's actually directed more to the ism now. You're alcoholic and you cannot manage your own life. That's one of the qualities of an alcoholic that's been taken over by alcoholism. They can't manage their own lives. And yet, the, the selfing is incessantly attempting to. Yes? <laughs> you see it? It's incredible. So, and then what that goes back to is, you're in so much anxiety today because self-reliance has failed you. So when you're in a lot of anxiety day after day, or it comes and goes, but it never seems to completely leave, then that same premise is occurring. There's a reliance on something that's unreliable, and it produces an effect. Just like today, I was walking in this, uh, I was hiking in this area. So it's a very dry area, yeah? Up, it's like a service road up in the hills outside near uh, the ocean. And then every once in a while, there'll be a big tree on the side, and right there, it's wet. The tree captures a lot of moisture, and the grass was much higher there, and there was flowers that weren't grown anywhere else, yeah? So the whole look of the lawn, or the ground, was based on the, the presence of that tree. The tree was catching all the moisture coming off the ocean, yes? Capturing it, and then dropping it right where it was around it, and it was like booming, like the Garden of Eden, yeah? That's exactly what it's like. If whatever you're relying on is going to be expressing through you, or as you really, and really all we are are advertisements for what we've been relying on. When you're relying on self, what you basically transmit picks up a lot of bad mojo. A lot of drama usually happens, a huge amount of drama. Shit can go off the wheels in one night in an hour when you get loaded again. I've seen people who decided to go out. They went out that night, they got robbed by all their lower companions. Their car truck was robbed, which was actually mine, <laughs> because they were using it. They lost all their money and got arrested. This was like in four hours. The next day I see them, they're, they're very humbled out and they go to recovery and a similar thing happens, but all good mojo surrounds them. Now they get a ride to a meeting, they get taken to lunch, people help and say, hey, I'll drive you up to the recovery center, gladly. And all this, the same, same supposed person, yes? Transmitting one juice, attracting a lot of mojo. Transcending another juice, attracting a different kind of mojo. Here's this thing. The grass and the, and the flowers, if they were in self-centeredness, they would be claiming their own condition. They'd be going, I did this, I did that, with this overlooming tree never even acknowledged, never even noticed that that's the bringer of all their abundance, yes? That's the bringer of what they call them. That's their condition. That overriding condition produces this seeming condition we're attempting to call a stable, single, solitary unit. It's insane. How could you have been such an incredibly terrible addict and then a great saint in recovery? Because you're neither of them. You're not one or the other. You're just a form of expression here. Whatever's taking you over is using you. Yeah? 
If you're taken over by the parasite that I like to call selfing, it demonstrates the same behavior in all of us. That's why we identify with each other. Because of what's taken us over. We don't identify with, I don't identify with you from where you are. I come from a whole other milu when I grew up. But I, I identify with what's taking you over. Yeah? Because you share the same thoughts and feelings and reactions to life that I have. All the while, you were claiming them to be yours, and I was claiming them to be mine. And that's the root of the problem. We sit months after months at meetings, and we can't get it. We think we're identifying because you're alcoholic. No, we're identifying with the alcoholism that took us over. The parasite that took us over. And you go anywhere in the world, you'll identify with the people that have been taken over by the same parasite. A normal person comes in here, even if they have an open mind, their mind can't get it. Because they've never been taken over like that. We're like an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. They have self-centeredness, everyone. Everyone's mind is coagulated in that little frame. But we're an extreme subdivision. And so we identify... Hopefully not with who you are, but with what's taking you over. If you identify with what's taking you over, after a while, how can you believe your own story of being terminally unique? How can you possibly go for it anymore? You realize Pablo, who I may not want to be identified with, has the same thoughts I have given the same situations and pretty much the same reactions and the same feelings. Jeff, same, 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 same. Sooner or later, you've got to entertain. How could they be mine? And then you'll get to the root of the problem. Not the thought system, but the mind. The act of being identified with the thought system as the thinker of it. And you never, you never thought an alcoholic thought ever in your life. All you are is the seeing of the alcoholic thought. Your mind has alcoholism. So its thought system has incredibly self-centered thoughts. Yes? That's been presented to us. There's been a seeing of it. But the seeing we've been blind to because we think we're the thinker of them. We think they're about us. That's called the act of being identified. That's the selfing mechanism, yeah? So when you have a real feeling, something happened to you, that real feeling is unreal. It's been a made up. Yeah? To who? It needs a you to feel really real to, I'm telling you. The you is the thing that's taken to be really real while things are appearing really real or unreal and real. That's the real unreality, this, this idea first, yes? There's always going to be two sides. You'll feel good sometimes, bad sometimes, close sometimes, far away sometimes, love and hate, aversion, desire. All this will occur, but there'll be this one sense of it's you that's having all of these feelings and all of these thoughts. Can you imagine, we did this the other day, can you imagine, all right, let's say you take two shits a day, just two, two shits a day. Two shits come through the body after eating. Okay. All right, so you sit down on the throne and something happens, you feel this activity, because there's consciousness, and then something plops in the water, and so you get up and you look in and it goes, uh, I took a shit, you know? And so obviously there's a sense of claiming because it was seeming your body, so I, I, this is the act of being identified, I took a shit, yeah? Now, what would happen if you shat like a thousand times a day? If you shat a thousand times a day, you'd really take yourself to be a shitter, really. If you didn't have a mirror to see your face, body, you would take yourself, that's, I'm a shitter. I'm shitting. That's all I do. The thing is, you have thousands and thousands of thoughts a day that you believe you're the doer of. Every thought is held as I'm the thinker of it. Every hell, every freaking thought. Very rarely do you have the grace where you sense the thought wasn't yours or you didn't think it. You don't even think that anymore. It's in place. So thousands of thoughts, thousands of thoughts are being claimed as you as the thinker. That's the original thought, the claiming aspect, the identifying aspect, the becoming the proprietor thereof aspect. Yes? 
That's the, that is the true bonding mechanism. Whatever it comes in contact with, it will use. But what it's using isn't the intent to bind. It's just the glue. Hmm? What's it? What's the activity of mind. It's a mental process, yes? The mind is like an over, like a hyperactive organ. This one aspect, this mental process, which isn't the whole process of mind, but this one aspect presents a sense of being a self. Yeah? It looks, it uses the body to anchor that belief, and then a story is told about life from this point of view. And it reinforces its belief and its situation and its fixation by the daily thought system. Yeah? I don't mean the thought systems about, all right, I'm going to put that nut on that bolt, or I'm going to put gas in my car. I'm talking about the thoughts about you and what, it, what everything means to you. All of that activity is the bonding mechanism. So it's like there, we've been introduced into a trance, and that trance has no lasting ability to become totally duratable. <laughs> cannot have a long, long duration. It needs to be reapplied, yes? It's like being hypnotized. You have to be hypnotized a lot. And the thought system is doing it, yes? Everything, even the, what we speak, it implies you as the now doing something, yes? So I came here and went to this meeting. When basically you could just say something's happening. But the, the way something happening is translated is, I came to this meeting. I'm doing a talk. You see? It's like here we are, all objects using a subjective language all day. What does that imply? It implies we're a subject as a body. Yeah? You don't see that as the bondage? How could, how would no thing do as a thing? <laughs> I'd say you would probably feel pretty claustrophobic. You know, if something that was everywhere at all times suddenly is only here now, and it's not even here now, it's always somewhere else at some other time as a body. We did it the other day with the river, you know, that water. The water streaming down. There's currents in it. You can see movement in it. Let's say, let's say if you were awareness and there was a and there was an awareness or a viewing of that water, yeah, you could sense a movement in it, yeah. And there'd be things moving along the surface, but it would be a continual like bourbon going on, yeah. Okay. So here's what's happening. So this would be a sense of life is happening. Now suddenly there's a rock placed in there in the water, yeah? You put a rock in there. Then the rock's appearance produces an effect on the current, yeah? So the water that was going this way, going down, going down, going down, gets caught in like an orbit around the rock, yeah? And then some more water starts creating this little activity. And then things come by and they get sucked into this and they start collecting around the rock, yeah? Like leaves or little twigs, yes? And all the water inherently is moving, but this water is losing that in its natural uh, activity. It's starting to get stagnant, yeah? It's going around, and then it's this part where it's, it's become stagnant, yes? And then now, when the awareness is reflecting that water, there's this big object there, and then you can't even see the water because you just see the leaves and the things that are on the surface, yeah? So you don't even get the sense of the water anymore. Everything things looks like it's solid and it's there, yes. And now, okay, the rock wants to get relief from all this. It's tired of this stagnancy around itself and these leaves coagulating and this and that. But it doesn't know that it's the reason why the current is going this way. So no matter how much it wants to change the current, it's still the activity of the rock. And the rock is still pulling this stuff in to circulate around it. So it can't, the rock can't get out of its own making as a rock, yes? But what would happen if you weren't a rock, if that rock was removed? The currents are, wouldn't keep going that way, yeah? The leaf that seemed to be, if you would just look at it, 
you would think it was always there. That that's just a leaf, yeah, or just a big thing. Now it would start moving, wouldn't it? The most stationary seeming object that had coagulated around the rock would sooner or later, through the current, start moving and taking its own natural course, yeah? It would be verbing, 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 verbing. So the mind has just placed an imaginary rock in the verbing of existence and being, yeah? And it's taken to be the one that's being. And in that, as soon as it proclaims that it's the one that's living, it's actually in the act of dying, yeah? Because the currents get sucked in, and the currents lose their natural nature, and they become stagnant. Have you seen? Not too many things can live in that stagnancy. creates an eddy. And the point is, let's say certain things co- coagulate around the rock. Certain things start like anchoring themselves around the rock. Barnacles. That's right. It sucks you in. But let's say there's the, all these barnacles, let's say, on the rock. yeah. And now, the barnacles start to become a drag. But the thing is, you're trying to fight the barnacles, but the barnacles need an anchor. So the thoughts about you need a you to be driven crazy. The thoughts about you need a you to be about. It's the belief in being the you that pulls the thoughts in, that keeps those thoughts in the orbit. When the rock gets taken out, the thoughts follow their own nature, which is to come and go. You don't know where they came from, they just come up into awareness, and then they disappear in awareness, yeah? But now, when we become the rock, the thoughts get it put into an orbit. And some may not come back for years, but they always return, yeah? Some are always daily. What, how do I look? What do I do? How am I going to get money? Blah, blah, blah. Yes, 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 yes. But some, and they're all stuck in this orbit. And from our point of view, we think they're driving us crazy. But what keeps them in this position is the act of being identified as the thinker of them. How can, you, how can you try to get rid of something that you deep down claim? You're in a huge conflict. You want to get rid of something, but deep down, unbeknownst to your little surface activity, there's a claiming of it. I'm the thinker of these thoughts. These are all mine, like my kids. Yeah. And no matter how much they, they cause me to suffer, I love them in a way because they make, they allow me to be what I am, which is a verb called selfie. It can't be a noun. It can never become a noun, but it can sure appear to be one. And that's its activity. Yeah? You ever see the helicopters with the prop and it's moving so fast it looks like a one solid thing. It's not moving anymore. It's like an optical illusion. That's just like selfing. Selfing is just going like this, and it produces an optical illusion inside that the mind takes itself to be that. Once it takes itself to be that, an object can be thought about. An object can be thought about. object can appear in the head to be somewhere else at some other time. And if you believe it's about you, all your attention and interest is going to go wherever those thoughts go. That's why it drives you crazy when the head represents the day to you. You know, I could have some, done something different. No, you couldn't have. I should have went left when I went right. No, that's the way it went. But you won't accept that. You won't accept the most simple fact that if something was supposed to happen, it did. It's always going over it, like going over it, over it. And it's sort of like walking in dead embers. You're walking through the embers, create the fire. They're just fucking dead embers. Yeah. It's long ago, bye-bye. But you're trudging in them, trying to weed out something right or be special or making someone else wrong. You burn in your own fire, in a sense. Your mind gets cooked by it. It's like it takes a magnifying glass on this little object called you, and this huge mind just burns you up. 
You're not meant to be obsessed over the body. <laughs> it doesn't do well with a continual obsession. Have you noticed that? Nice words, though. But I don't want to, I always think about that, but I don't, if I do something wrong or whatever, I don't want to do it again. That's what I keep thinking about. It. That's what it tells you if you keep yeah, thinking about it. I figure it's not right. I know. And then, and then, and then I think about, you know, and then, yeah. and then I throw my head. If I hadn't said that, I said all these stupid things, so that's going to create this effect. Now, what could I have said instead that would have created a different effect? Well, you effect? believe that you were going to learn from it. Yeah. You believe you're going to learn from it. What happened what's going to happen. Yeah. And, um, it, you know. Because wasn't that called reliance on self? Yeah. You're relying on the system. You're relying on the system, aren't you? It's all reliance on self. We rely on the thought system. We believe that if I apply thought to something, I'm going to figure it out. When that all, that's just the bigger problem is to think about it. Yeah. You inherently know this. You can live on a much more a different type of level where you learn in a different way. Yeah? I worked with this guy today, and, you know, his beliefs, the same thing you just shared and you shared about, well, I thought if I just went over things, I'd learn better. But then, <laughs> like I, I was in a meeting yesterday, and I shared, and I said, you know, I couldn't learn from my own mistakes. Yet now I can learn from other people's mistakes. That's why I like going to meetings. I listen to them, and, you know, through their suffering, I don't need to. Yeah? Because I don't see any difference in me. When I'm in a, a meeting, every possibility anyone's demonstrating, it's possible in this. And every, I mean high and low. I am not dismissed from any possibility. So it's really cool to listen to some of the possibilities that are occurring, and then maybe follow it to the root, and see, aha! That is beginning this. Do I want this? No. So I'll just keep coming back. <laughs> <Yeah>. To <laughs> me, that's been the greatest learning. The greatest learning is to be convinced. If you waste any time trying to convince this, it's not convincible. It will say, oh, I'm totally convinced, and five minutes later it will be calling the dealer. It has no ability to be convinced. It's got to be another form of convincing. There's other aspects of mind that aren't in self-centeredness. That's where the convincing occurs. That's where a sober mind appears. Not in your little crazy selfing, but an aspect that's not in the mental process called selfing. There's a lot more mind than there, there's that. And in that mind, it can be sound. And to me, the soundest it can be is when it recognizes a not that which the mental process is producing. It says names, but just just say this has been given a name already, and we've given it flesh and blood. Let's just see that I'm not this name instead of saying I'm consciousness of this and that. Let's just go to the first name, this, and if I'm not that, everything shifts, it changes, either very quickly or over time. It really doesn't matter if it takes any time, because when all said and done. Nothing ever happened. Literally. I mean, if you ever feel like when you're absent of self, there was never a sense that you were ever in a self. If that comes at the last moment, it won't be like, oh, I waited all these years and it finally happened. That doesn't show up, I don't believe. It's, there's no sense of self. So there's no going to be feeling. When, it, when finally it's done here, whatever, when the verbing has run its course, the selfing has run its course, or it's been stopped sufficiently, there won't be any feeling of time. You won't be holding, oh, I wish I would have gotten this earlier. It wouldn't, that has no relevance. So what you're feeling is the pang of missing something won't be there. Yeah? Can you imagine? All the time that you're worried that you're going to miss something is only here when you're missing it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> When, when it's seemingly quote unquote found, there's no sense of ever missing it. Ever. You know, bye bye. You know? There was no, nothing you did delayed it, nothing you did accelerated it. <laughs> You're totally off the hook. You know? 
you have total irrelevance here. Hallelujah. So now, while you're living seemingly as an action figure, some of this sense can leak in. And to me, its effects would be, you could, you know, broadly categorize it as traveling lighter. Because that's how I like to put it, yeah? It seems that it won't, I can't say if the terrain of your life is going to change, but you'll travel lighter over it. The action figure has, it, let's say, has 850 moves on the game board. You may not get out of any of those moves, but you'll travel lighter over the game board, yeah? Because the game board, and especially not the game board, but the piece, the boot, and the Eiffel Tower, and whatever, isn't being taken so seriously anymore. That's the real freedom from the game board. Not that you get to go to boardwalk all day and stay away from Baltic Place, but you're not the boot. But there's movement here, so there must be a boot doing it. That's all the mental process called selfing. It gives a feeling that a noun has to be what's doing a verb. It can't just sense a verb. It has to insert a noun there. It has to say, someone did it. And if it's not you or me, it's God or something. You know, the universe did it. Somehow, there's got to be something that did it. Instead of just seeing this doing going on. Doing, 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 doing. And if you've been conditioned to be moral, you'll clean up your doing, if that's what moves you. If you're conditioned not to be moral, there may be not any cleaning up of what you did. But it won't matter in the long run, in a sense, because you're not that. It will matter while you're thinking you're this, for sure. Yeah. There, don't you have certain like parameters that if you cross that sleeping dog of alcoholism wakes up, there's certain things you cannot cross in your life. If I cross a line and I start doing certain activity thinking I'm the doer of it, if I get caught up in some activity, that activity immediately incites the thinking system, doesn't it? The sleeping dog wakes up, and then your whole quote-unquote reality is shifts dramatically. Now you've got to clean up after it, you've got to feed it, you've got to walk it, you've got to make excuses for it because it's going to flip everything out around you, Yeah. So there are some parameters that while in Rome you have to do as the Romans do, and you know your own. Yeah? There's certain lines that if I cross, it can wake up the mind. Yeah? Have you noticed that? There's certain places. Yeah, there's a freedom, but the freedom in a sense as the action figure is not ultimate freedom. You can never have ultimate freedom as an action figure. You have a conditional freedom. So if you learn a way of life that causes you to be able to live, in a certain, like with God rails, G-O-D rails, that you don't keep turning off these roads and going into these little avenues that excite me to selfing. Yeah. There's a sense of peace out here. While that peace is here, make hay. Entertain the possibility that's offered. The clouds are, are broken. There's a clear sky. It's tranquil out here. You have no fucking stalking charges on you. You're not in jail. You're not taking, you know, going to have a fourth divorce. I mean, make hay. Stop looking so horizontally. Look up. You know? And looking up is realizing I'm not looking up. That's the looking up. When it's I'm looking up, that's horizontal looking still. Yeah? The self thing has claimed it. Yes? It still thinks you being the doer. Oh, I'm looking up to receive God. Oh, if I don't, I don't need to receive God. I'd say you're the bigger God in that deal. If you're the one who has to open up and receive God, I guess you're more of a God than that is, isn't it? I would think God could overwhelm you if it was God. Yeah? If, <laughs> so people say, having a God, I would much rather have the view that it has me. Yeah? I'd much rather have the view that I have a, I have a, I have a God of its own understanding, not a God of my own understanding. If it's a God of my own understanding, it's going to be a very small God. <laughs> it's not going to really deliver the goods when, I, when most necessary. Oh, is it? No. Maybe you'll get a parking space next week or something. Two-month relationship. Yeah. But a God of your own understanding, that's revelatory. I mean, of its own understanding, it's revelatory. Because then you're cast in a position of I don't know. And then you're very alert in the activity of finding out. Yeah? And to me, the real security here is insecurity. 
Not the security of the mental knowing, which deadens and kills everything. That's right. When I get to a point where I'm so beaten up by trying to, you know, and I just like, I don't know. Yeah, it opens your mind up. Yes? Instead of picking up self-centeredness, you pick up some other information. Yeah, those are free samples. The point is, if you weren't, if you were, if the identification of self can be held as just that, the mind immediately can entertain it, can be free of it. It cannot, the mind the way it is cannot entertain it, can be free of something it's identified as. It can't. The way it finally gets free of it is shooting itself or killing, yeah? Because it takes itself to be this, yeah? But if your mind, if you can entertain now that I may not be that, the next thing the mind does is leaps right into, hey, I can be free of that. If I'm not that, I can be free of it. Why the hell am I fucking trying to therapize this freaking thing? Why am I trying to do this and do that? You may still feel like you have free will, then exert it. You'll see that a lot of things change. Because most of the time, we're just trying to manage with something that's totally intolerable. We never know when it's going to blow up in a relationship. You never know what's going to happen to it. It can just fly off the handle at any minute. It can just get stuck on one thought and ruin a whole day. It's like living under a big, one of those things, the big uh, sword. There's no real serenity in that kind of life. Yeah. But in the I don't know, there's a finding out. And what you find out, in my own experience, is there's something that can totally be trusted. There's something that can be abandoned to. There's something that can be honored. Yeah? It's a solution, a real, real solution, because the problem can appear not to exist for you anymore. And that really lengthens when it doesn't exist as you, when the problem doesn't exist as you, when you're not taking yourself to be yourself, yes. Then the, the problem, you live as if it doesn't exist for you. And it's a pretty amazing shift from something that dominated supposedly your whole life, a lot of large aspects of it, this selfing and this disease of alcoholism, to have it have very little effect on you anymore is an incredible solution. I mean, mind-boggling solution. And I find it stabilizes when you take it to the point where I'm not that. So now it's not existing as you at all. Yeah? It's existing, it's going on, selfing, but there hasn't been a, you're not taking it to be you. That's a huge shift. It, some people think it's, it has to stop. It doesn't have to stop. It's a verb, it's an activity of mind. But the activity of mind produces a feeling of being a noun. That's what shifts, yeah. So you have immunity to the verb, and the immunity is it doesn't turn you into a noun. That's all. Just doesn't turn you into a noun. It's a verb seeing a verb in a way. That verb doesn't turn the verb into a noun. It doesn't say, oh, the seeing doesn't say, I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm this. It's never said that. It just became identified with what was saying that, yeah? So there's just a verb has a sense of its own verbness. It's just an onness. It's an incessant onness. Awareness isn't stagnant or static, it's on. And that verb is the immunity to becoming a noun. Yeah. The mental process is verbing, it's still selfing, but it doesn't produce its product, which is a noun. And that to me is the freedom from the bondage of self. It's quite livable. Yeah. And then the traveling lighter instead of being an experience, while you're in time, it seems to be, it, 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 it covers months and years after a while. You have a long sense. It wasn't like one experience at 12.30 one day to 12.33. It's, it's a thread, or it's a contextual sense of through all the days. So after years go by, you're like feeling this, this momentous sense of traveling lighter. Yeah? Because it's been going on for a while. 
not experiences sporadic, but an overall sense of traveling lighter. So instead of gauging your you by an experience you had now, you're seen as like a giant movement, yeah? A verbing. But it's sort of like if you looked at a river and you just saw the river here, this little bit of water, yeah? And then you saw, if you lift it up and you saw the, let's say, the mighty Nile, you'd see that whole water, you know, winding and just the incredible majestic hugeness of it all, yeah? It produces a different sense than just that one little bit, yeah? So in a sense, that's like the feeling of traveling lighter. In a weird way, it becomes accumulative in, accumulative in time. It builds like a momentum. And you get an overall feeling yeah, that's always like the frame of your day. No matter what happens in the day, no matter if there's fireworks or it's really calm, the frame is the same. And it's, and it's bright. And it's, uh, it's not rigid. It moves. Yeah? It opens up. It's, just, it's a whole different... It's like a living picture. Instead of an I know what life is, it's a finding out. So the, it's alive. It's alive and it's a living frame. What we're, what we're looking at life from is a dead frame, self-centeredness. So it basically kills everything it frames. Yeah? It neuters the most important aspect of the river by making it a name. Yeah? And giving it form. That's a river. You lose the quality of the water. Yeah? You lose the quality of the water when you call it a name. That's, that's the river. Self-centeredness is like that. It frames everything. And in the framing of it, it really sucks out the life of it. Yeah? But a living frame, it's like in recovery, it says you've got to fit yourself around circumstances instead of trying to fit them around you. A living frame fits it itself around the circumstances. A dead frame tries to fit the circumstances around you. It makes a very small world with you is very, very big here. But the living frame opens, it moves. It fits itself around situations. When it's really nice, it's really nice. If it's, if it's difficult times are happening, it can, it can embrace that, yeah? It, it, it doesn't break when things don't go its way because it doesn't have its way. It's a mo it's a, it's a, it's more like a membrane in a way. It's not a fixed frame, an idea. This is how it should be. I'm this way. You're that way. This is this way. That's going to happen. All that is just pure rigidity. Yeah? This is more like a membrane. It just opens up when it needs to. It closes in when it needs to. It lives like a, by a different uh, beat, so to speak. This is all dead. It's like a, it's like a, what would you call like a funeral march, really. The self-centeredness. You get the great prize of knowing that you are right, and maybe maybe every once in a while a sense of being special, but it's really a dry production. Well, I don't know. It's volatile, yes. It's moving, and all the, it just breaks through all the old ideas. Yeah, you have an old idea that you're this way, and then life just throws that for a fucking leap. Yeah. And then if, so it's always, so it doesn't feel like, oh, no, this can't be happening. It just accepts what shows up. Yeah, there's an openness to it. It grows with the picture. Yeah. It doesn't define the picture. It grows with the picture. So like context and content, but they're the same in a way. Context is seeing content. Yeah, content can't see the context. But they're the same. Yeah? So the context is always allowing whatever shows up to show up. It's never, it never blocks anything out. It's accepting all that appears. Yeah? While I'm sitting here, everything is being seen in this room. Yeah? What's ever in this room is being seen. Yeah? So that it never gets cropped or edited. That's the mental process, crops and edits. The seeing doesn't crop or edit anything. It just sees. But the mental process says, no, I don't want to see that. And so it blinds itself by its way of looking. Don't you see? It blinds itself. 
And then we become beholden to that way of looking and we'll actually die to be right. And what's so nice when there's just a letting go, when you abandon, not you, but yourself, to this power. Uh, it takes a lot of energy not to do it. This is the easiest, soft way. Yeah, exactly. This frame accepts very little. Most of everything else is unacceptable to it. here, I'm just trying to, you know, it's like tasting a certain water. If you drink it, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to describe itself to you in a beautiful way. Nothing will ever match it by anything you ever read or anything, because you'll be living it. You'll, you'll, it's a very intimate little dance, in a way. It's, I'm using a metaphor of two, but there isn't any two. You know, a dance, of, you know, two people dancing, but there is you know, sort of like, um, it's hard to describe, but it's a very intimate event when you're, what you are is closer to, to what, there's such a distance between what you are and what you appear to be. What you are is closer than your next breath. It's before you even think of getting up. It's, it's prior to where you even start. <laughs> I mean, we're just like Johnny Come Lately is the story of us as bodies. It's way down the pike. But the awareness is always present at all times. How could anything beat it getting here? <laughs> it's already here. <laughs> it's nowhere else. <laughs> it takes no time for it to arrive because it doesn't have to arrive. The mental process takes time to produce its effects, yeah. There's got to be some raw data to interpret, to present as a life happening to you. That takes time. What's prior to that that's not of time? How can we say that I'm a real thing and that's foreign to me when that's prior to you? This is actually me. I would more, this is much more provable because it's always available at all times no matter how I'm feeling or thinking. And it's the thing that continues when what I think I am is absent. When there's a break in the selfing, something continues, doesn't it? What is that? When you go to sleep at night, there ain't no you, is there? For a period of time. And yet you wake up. But a point during the day when deep sleep, there was no you happening. So what you really are was there. And it's always there. When you stop, it continues. If you recognize that one before it claims it as an experience it had, you'll realize it was the absence of that thing that's presenting itself to be you. That was the epiphany. And yet something continued. I must be that which continues when I stop. sounds like something it's doing, but it's always so. So when what's appearing to be us stops, what's always so is obviously always so. Then the head coagulates and says, I had a great experience. So it's really an amazing process because it will claim its own absence as an experience it had. It's incredible, isn't it? Selfing will arise and say, I am that, you know, I am a... <laughs> I just had an incredible experience of my... Of my own absence. How could that happen? <laughs> it wasn't there, and then it coagulated and appeared seemingly again. And then it, as soon as it appears, it has a feeling of being historically here. Yeah? You believe it's true? It's made up. The feeling of being Paul and that I was there in the past is not fact, is not verifiable. <laughs> it's made up. It's not verifiable. Some guy just sent me this uh, thing. I, maybe I'll look at it tonight. Some guy, a PhD, 
giving a big talk at this conference, you know, like scientists, no self. <laughs> there is no self. <laughs> there is no self. There is no, the first person narrative, which is the mind doing the selfing, and, uh, but in fact, there is no self. There is no self. <laughs> now, the self thinks that's really scary, but you're not that. That's the good news. You're not which, you are not what takes it to be really scary. So when you go, I'm really scared of my own absence, that's selfing. There's no you that could be scared of its own absence. Yeah, I think that's great news. <laughs>